You're listening to Motor Mouth with Andrew McCready and David Booth. Thanks for joining us on the latest Motor Mouth podcast. I'm Andrew McCready, and as always, I'm joined by the star of the Motor Mouth podcast, David Booth. How are you today, David? Very fine indeed. Excellent. And I'm curious if you've heard from Pierre Polyev's people yet. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. I ask because you recently wrote a Motormouth column, which was in fact an open letter to the Federal Conservative Party's leader on advice about reworking Canadian electric vehicle regulations should he become our next Prime Minister. So what did you tell Mr. Polyev? Well, uh, I had a lot of advice. In fact, um, I think it was 2,540 words worth of advice. Uh, you know, the first thing I told him is he's in a very difficult situation. I mean, his basic campaign so far, other than, you know, delving into cryptocurrency a while back and hopefully working, you know, backing away from that, has been to, has been to uh, say that he's going to rescind everything Justin Trudeau does, okay? And... I can't hardly uh, disagree with that because I'm not a big fan of Mr. Trudeau. But, and pardon the swearing, and you guys can cut this later, but Trudeau makes a great campaign promise. It does not make for good governing. Um, So, um, you know, uh, he's going to have to come up with something better. Um, I don't know about vaccine promises. I don't know about immigration. That's not my bailiwick. This is called motor mouth. It's not called uh, politics. The only thing that I know about that could affect his regime is the ZEV mandate. Now, that's a, still a pretty big thing. It's something that could lose or gain him some votes. And the number one thing I'd say is just repealing the ZEV mandate, as loathsome as I find it. it why don't is, you just sort of interrupt, but why don't you tell us what the mandate is as, um, it, stands, as it stands now? God, is there anybody left in, in, in podcast land that doesn't know what the Canadian ZEV mandate is? But yes, I will. Basically, there's a mandate starting in 2026 that must be accomplished by 2035 that basically outlaws the sale gradually until 2035 of internal combustion engines that power cars. Uh, basically, every year the quota or the percentage of sales of each automaker um, must, I think it starts at 20% in uh, 2026, must increase quite rapidly at the beginning and then more uh, more gradually later to the point where at uh, uh, January 1st, uh, 2035, all uh, vehicles sold in Canada must be a what the government designates as uh, zero zero emission vehicles, and there is a twenty thousand dollar fine per vehicle for those who don't meet the quota in any given year. So it's quite an onerous bill, and it, it, while it's not quite a pure BEV bill, uh, you can um, 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 run a hydrogen powered vehicle. Uh, um, past 2035, and you can run uh, plug-in hybrid until t- uh, t- uh, 2035. It's still very much aimed at getting us all into battery electrics. It would be bad government just to do a knee-jerk reaction and just invalidate, rescind that, and not 
have an alternative program uh, for a number of reasons. One, um, climate change, uh, it's hard to know exactly how bad it is, but climate change exists, of course. And while it not, might not be a climate crisis, we really do need to do something. The, the, on top of that, as much as automakers hate regulation, they hate even more continuously changing regulation. So a whole bunch of regulation that says you must build BEVs and uh, and then they adopt that as they have both here in the United States with the plethora of battery uh, plants that have been announced in the last year and a half and also the uh, number of new models that they've introduced. And then suddenly all concept of a ZEV mandate are pulled away. Um, that's not making them happy. It's not like they're all rejoicing, oh, damn, we don't have to invest in ZEVs. They've already programmed it into the future. They've may, already made most of those investments and or some of those investments. And just because EVs aren't selling all that well right now doesn't mean they don't want to sell any uh, EVs. I know that that's some of the... Um, uh, accusations that the super duper uh, EV proponent crowd lobby at the existing manufacturers, but it's simply not true. At least it's not true anymore. So right off the bat, that's uh, not good. Um, the other thing is, is it would make him more unelectable or certainly it would make him um, less likely to be a repeat prime minister if that's the way it's heading. Uh, uh, as we discussed a little bit into the latest driving into the future panel that uh, we just had last Wednesday and is available on driving.ca. Um, Vancouver, Toronto, and Montreal uh, both have very high concentrations of ZEV adoption. Uh, Toronto a little less because there's not a provincial uh, rebate, but uh, still growing. More importantly than that, um, the ZEV hotbates, uh, uh, ZEV um, uh, hotspots are not actually the downtown cores where those globalist elites that vote for the liberals are. They're actually in the suburbs because people in the suburbs need a car that can go quite a bit of distance very cheaply, which makes electric extremely good for them. But because they're doing consistent um, within range um, uh, commutes every day. They don't need fast charging, so it's got all the benefits and none of the um, none of the detriments of uh, for an electric car. So, like I think it was Port Moody is uh, the uh, the penetration of ZEVs in Port Moody is forty percent in Saint Lambert near Montreal. It's actually over forty percent. Now, I, I'm not a political expert, but I believe part of the political calculus for the conservatives is that they can't win the downtown cores, but they can uh, win the suburbs. So if they suddenly say to people that the ZEV thing is going away, they'll still be allowed to buy ZEVs. But th there's all these people in those suburban uh, uh, arenas that they hope to conquest that uh, believe in ZEVs. So I don't think that's going to win him any votes either. So again, what he gains in the province by doing an anti-Trudeau backlash against the ZEV mandate, um, will he'll lose, I suspect, just as much, if not more, uh, both in the inner cities and in the suburbs in Canada. 
so so do you do you see a tweaking of the existing rules or or what kind of advice would you give him in terms of if he's not going to cancel it outright um i assume there's some kind of uh, uh um alterations he needs to make what would what would those be a lot of people told me that now that he's working on something or his government is working on something and i'm told that what they might be working on is a fuel economy rule sort of like the american cafe i think that's a mistake um because it's super uh complicated um I, I, i've gone through this many times i think even on uh, our podcast here uh the reason why we have large pickup trucks is cuz the um, uh american manufacturers figured out how to circumvent the american cafe standards with the, the footprint thing they figured out that building a larger pickup which was allowed uh to consume more gas was actually easier than keeping their current size pickups they were much smaller 10 15 years ago and making it more fuel efficient uh, so uh, the fact of the matter is is automakers are a lot better at circumventing emissions and gas uh, gasoline consumption standards than lawmakers are crafting them from that point of view it's also really difficult to message you go into election um uh, uh trudeau's running again oh god help us all uh and he says you know no uh, uh no tailpipes equals no emissions that's an easy message it might not actually be true but people understand that electric vehicles don't have uh tailpipe emissions like gasoline powered cars do on the other hand if you're starting to do a a, a fuel economy standard well it's very complicated and you try to explain it and you can't do it with a 15 second sound bite and you bore people to death so the solution i wrote about in this past motormouth was quite simple just expand the zdv mandate to allow hybrids as well uh so right now you'd have instead of just bevs and fcevs and maybe or maybe not phevs come 2035 or later you would also include hevs your standard um hybrids your toyota prius your toyota rav4 rav4 hybrid that kind of thing that has a number of advantages one those cars unlike bevs and phevs don't cost that much more than regular gasoline engine cars the big cost in anything electrified is the battery hybrids have relatively smaller batteries um basically if you're toyota you're looking uh, buying a toyota uh, a, a hybrid version uh, of the same car is generally around 2000 bucks more expensive uh, perfectly affordable pays itself back very quickly and cuts emissions not to zero but significantly you know i mean a a a a prius hybrid is 5 5.1 liters per 100 kilometers a um a a a a rav4 uh hybrid uh, the last one i did was between 6 and 6.5 Th- those are really good numbers uh and um really can contribute going forward to reducing the emissions and doing so while still remaining affordable to the lower uh lower income groups that can afford um the um uh the full plugins one little side note uh, as we mentioned in driving it to the future the 
average BEV in Canada costs seventy-four thousand dollars. The average, no, the median take-home pay after taxes for uh, in Canada is, I think, just over sixty thousand dollars. That means fifty percent, well, actually more than fifty percent of the households make less money in one year total after tax than the cost of the average BEV right now. That does not speak to a, to a revolution that's going to allow us to get to 100% BEVs going forward. With the, um, you know, this idea of, of allowing hybrids, wouldn't the automakers, as you say, they're so clever at getting around it, wouldn't they, in, I envision a big pickup truck um, with a small hybrid system in it, and that would qualify under these rules, and it doesn't seem to solve the, or it doesn't seem to get us to where we want to be. Uh, absolutely. Very good point, Andrew. And I covered it slightly in my thing. I wanted to cover it more, but I was already, as I said, at 2,543 words. So I didn't want to junk it up too much. But one thing right off the bat is we eliminate mild hybrids as qualifying as as a ZEV. Just eliminate them. Mild so hybrids, what's, a, what's a mild hybrid? Uh, mild hybrids are basically... Um, 48 volt systems with a bigger battery and instead of an alternator um a uh a, a generator starter which is basically the same thing but the fan belt if you were will can add a little power into the system the the fact of the matter is their biggest bonus is the start stop, stop functions at stoplights that are so annoying um they're the, 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 in real world driving um, they are not that effective. Uh, you get bonus points, at least according to the uh, American regs. And since we copied them, I'm assuming we get them here. They should be banned right away. The other point is very much so what you talked about. You could just put a small motor. Ford does this. Um, you know, some of their vehicles, you know, have twin turbo V6s and then um, uh, uh, or, 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 or turbocharged V6s and then have a small hybrid motor in it. Um, to boost performance. Uh, that doesn't work. Without junking up or complicating it, I think there'd be a formula, and I'm just guessing roughly um, because I did an hour's research on this, which is probably more than the Trudeau liberals do on any of their automotive bills, but I only did an hour's research. But I would guess that the trick to that would be that hybrids to qualify would have to have at least a uh, 50% of their uh, total torque. I would go with torque because torque is more indicative of uh, of electric vehicle performance. I would say at least a fifty percent of their total combined what they call system torque would have to come through electric uh, motors. That way, you couldn't find, like I said, a big V six twin turbo with a, like a forty horsepower electric motor. That wouldn't be allowed. And so that would pretty much guarantee that we would get much closer to the um, to the uh, to the uh, lower emissions that we want to do. And we got to remember, a, a hybrid doesn't cr need an infrastructure change or anything else like that. So, and it's fine in the in the cold weather, which batteries and plug-in uh, electrics are not. Um, uh, so, it would have if it's crafted right. And 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 doesn't allow the automakers so many out clauses like so many of the regulations do now. Then it could work. 
you know, as much as we, we've talked about this in the past, too, as much as we it, it's a bit of navel gazing in Canada, because, you know, when it comes to our industry or our our market, we kind of think that it's the be all and end all. And of course, it's not. And in fact, you know, around the world, Canada's sales volume of new vehicles is is, is small. It's, it's not going to, you know, our mandates aren't going to get the attention of the head office in VW and saying, look what the Canadians are doing. So, um, um, you know, there are mandates in every country. I mean, not every country, but Western world. Um, I don't know if, you know, California, certainly a lot of states, Europe for sure, uh, Scandinavian countries, they all have similar kind of mandates with this ambitious 2035, some of them 2030, um, 100% uh, BEVs. How much influence will this policy of ours, where we say we still want hybrids, have on automakers? I mean, what if they suddenly all pivot to EVs and we're kind of just stuck with that? Well, I, 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 you're absolutely right. I mean, if we were the only ones, uh, there'd be no possibility of that. Absolutely none. I mean, you know, I mean, we are just a subset of the Americans. And before I forget, I mentioned this in my story. We should be thankful for that. At least the auto industry here should, because if we weren't a subset of America, uh, the Chinese would have already just invaded us with their cheap battery electric vehicles and take away all our, our local manufacturers. There's a huge tariff in the States, uh, over 25% against uh, Chinese imported uh, electric cars. And, um, and, and that's what's keeping, we're not worth coming in by ourselves, as you pointed out, but, um, uh, and, and that's the only reason, you know, if they were already in the States, we would have the same thing. But th to your point, that would be true is if, if, if everybody really does hold to the 100% BEV um, promises for 2035, we're already seeing that crack all over the world. Britain had to back down a little bit from their proposals. In uh, Europe, they're allowing uh, cars with piston engines, not even hybrids, full piston engines to, uh, to uh, continue as long as they use synthetic gas. And while the states, certain states, have gone 100% uh, EV for uh, 2035, following California's lead, the chances of the USA nationally creating a national ZEV mandate are almost nil. You, I mean, you well know, everybody well knows the problems of uh, state rights versus um, national rights down there. So it, it, it'd be really, really hard. I mean, trying to get all three um, levels, the presidency, the um, Congress and the Senate to agree on anything down there, let alone anything as important as this, is almost nil. So I don't see any ZEV mandate uh, right now. As for the construction of, eight, uh, of hybrids, in fact, a lot of manufacturers, all the manufacturers, especially the domestics, that are, you know, if not pivoting away from EVs, at least slowing down the, the their hype on them, are all moving to... HEVs, uh, hybrids. Uh, Ford is is promised to make them thirty five percent of of their of their uh, fleet by, uh, within the next five years. Um, uh, uh, Stellantis is uh, just slightly below that. The only one that of the big three that hasn't really committed to hybrids is General Motors, and their numbers so uh, recently are so bad that one wonders how long they can hold out. So th the fact is, is while absolutely anybody that thinks that we can go past 2035 
2040 at the absolute latest, buying absolutely pure ICEs. And by pure ICEs, I mean um, any gas engine without electrification is diluted. I mean, if if Polivier is going to try to sell that to his crowd, it's not happening, guys. Yeah. Wake up and smell the roses. I think that there's a very good possibility that we could find a pivot to HEVs. Um, and if that were so, there would be lots of momentum to continue their manufacture. We would not remain orphaned. Back to Motormouth after this word from our sponsor. Now back to Motormouth. You're, you're always um, a, a proponent and have been for some time on plug-in hybrids. I haven't really heard any of that today in this kind of concept. So where would a plug-in or a PHEV fit into this uh, Polyev legislation? Well, the, 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 that's a very interesting point because right now a PHEV is considered sort of a ZEV. So the ZEV is what's allowed and and the uh, the three uh, cars allowed are an FCEV, that's a fuel cell electric vehicle, which are practically non-existent in Canada. Those, those are hydrogen powered. Uh, BEV, pretty much self-explanatory, uh, battery uh, uh, electric vehicle. PHV, plug-in hybrid electric vehicle. Um, they are allowed to be in, in as counted as a ZEV, but not for a full credit, not like as a total one. Um, and so, um, you know, you, 2034, for instance, I don't think you could produce 100% PHEVs and actually pass your um, a quota for BEVs. I'll have to check on that one. But there's been a lot of noise, and I'm so, so happy you brought this up. There's been a lot of noise that PHEVs, uh, depending on the legislation that we've talked about uh, uh uh, on driving into the future, I think we talked about how BC and California may allow them past 2035. Right. Um, there is a ton of noise uh, from the pro BEV crowd that we should cancel even those because they they have a gas engine and they do produce some CO2 emissions. But I'd like to put that in perspective, and 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 I'm I'm going to raise my tone here a little bit because <clears throat> this really offends me. Uh, there's an ICCT study recently that showed that by 2050, if we uh, went 100% BEV, when you say when you say we, we're talking the world here. The world, yeah. You would do. We would reduce tailpipe emissions by 92%. On the other hand, it, they also say that if we by the same date we went 80% BEVs and the last 20% were PHEVs, the reduction in CO2 would be 88%. The difference, once I'll remind you of the numbers again, is 92 and 88%. The, the compromise gets you to 88%. The full re religiosity gets it to 92%, 4% difference. And, and then uh, somehow they, they, uh, they, uh, they went to proceed to say that we need to get that last 4%. four and, and that's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, uh, that's not science. When you can get 88% with a good compromise and then uh, only 4% more with the uh, absolute idealistic uh, goal, that's not science. That's religiosity. I mean, I, I honestly, think, think uh, for everybody out there 
um, that doesn't understand, you know, um, ZEV emissions and everything else, think of this personally. Say just, and I hope you're not, but say you were 100 pounds overweight and you want, and you you did the whole BMI, the body mass index thing, and you your 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 doctor says you're exactly 100 pounds overweight. Okay, so you hire a trainer and everything else, and after two years you lose 96 pounds. And after losing 96 of the 100 pounds you had to lose, the trainer is still yelling at you and telling you that you're going to be a failure if you don't get those last four pounds. What the hell would you say to that person? You'd say they're nuts. You'd cancel them. You'd put them, you'd put them on Facebook and Twitter and, and alert everybody that this person's a no mind. It's important we reduce our emissions. But creating this idealistic world where total... Um, subservience, total anything you want to call it, um, is the only possible acceptable uh, result is not science. That's not engineering. It's not any kind of science. And so, you know, I mean, there has to be a place for PHEVs. Now, long term, do I know the numbers of what a 60% um, BEV, 20% PHEV, uh, 20% HEV world looks like. No, I don't. I'd say that's at least a 75% reduction, at least here in Canada. It could be 80. But let's let's remember one other thing. If we expanded the uh, the current mandate to include BEVs, PHEVs, and EVs, we're not banning BEVs, and we're not even discouraging BEVs. BEV proponents keep on telling us that even to this day, that uh, BEVs are, if not price competitive right now, they're very close. Uh, they're so superior that everybody uh, uh, in performance, everybody will want them. They'll be so superior in total running costs that people will automatically on their own figure out that it's a better uh, long-term buy for them than anything, even PHEVs and HEVs uh, that burns gas. So even if we uh, just um, allow PHEVs and EVs, uh, HEVs into the equation, we're not banning BEVs. And if they are so superior, they will in and of themselves become 100% of the, uh, of the equation. And if they're not, and if they don't, that's not because Canadians all, are all stupid. It's because the BEV proponents have been lying to us about the benefits of, of battery power for, for a long time. So, I mean, you know, we're not banning BEVs. We're just opening the uh, equation and we're giving BEVs every possibility to prove as their proponents continuously uh, uh, tell us virtually religiously, in fact, that uh, to shine. And if they don't, that's what's called the free market economy. Yeah. Well, I mean, we are, as you kind of mentioned, you know, the slowing of sales and some production numbers of electric vehicles right now. I mean, those are the, I won't say the first headwinds, but they're headwinds that are slowing the curve, um, the upward curve of sales. And you just, I mean, it's it's just um, basic economic theory as the closer you'd get to 60%, 70% adoption, those last 30%, the headwinds would be fierce because, or, or they will be fierce because these are people in outlying areas. These are people, as you said, in uh, driving into the future um, panel, these are people in Cold Lake, Alberta. These are people in Churchill, Manitoba, where, you know, 
it'll be shocking if there's an infrastructure up there. I mean, they might have a couple of chargers, but for every single vehicle up there by 2035, new, newly sold to be electric just is is unrealistic. And I think that I'm not sold on your theory on hybrids allowed, but I think plug-in hybrids past 2035, that makes total sense to me. And we're all see, all all seeing automakers, most of them now, have plug-in hybrids, and they seem to be really investing in that, as you've documented. Yeah, well, I, I mean, if it's slowing down now, and as you say, it, it the the curve slows down later. It, it's not um, uh, purporting well for the, the the so-called revolution. But there's also what I talked about that ICCT thing, where um, you know they're telling us we have to lose the last four percent. One of the biggest roadblocks for EV. Uh, assimilation, if you will, um, is that the messaging that proponents use is not the kind that convinces skeptics. You know, I mean, the number of battery uh, infrastructure, uh, battery chargers that are down at any given time in Canada, uh, especially in the winter, can be anywhere between 25 and 40 percent. What is it the typical EV proponents um, 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 uh, answer to that? Oh, I went to Montreal yesterday and I had absolutely no problem. It's always the denial. Cold weather range in, in, uh, uh, cold, range in cold weather. Again, you know, it's, I, I've got, uh, I've got a, uh, an actual calculator from Geotab that's quite lovely and it's between 42% at minus 15 for a sedan to 53% or something like that for a, 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 a cargo van or SUV, that's what you lose in range. And yet, no, no, you don't actually lose that if you do this, if you do that. They, anytime somebody comes up with, you know, I have an issue here, they simply deny that the issue exists, okay? Towing on, on big pickups is another one. And so it's like any kind of politics right now. The more extreme you are on one side, the harder the um, the harder the resistance on the other, and and that's bad because we need battery electric vehicles. Uh, I don't think we need a hundred percent. I don't think we'll ever get there, and I don't think it's good for Canada. But we need as many as we can fit into our our culture, our climactic conditions, and our lifestyles and our driving styles, and 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 so just painting rosy pictures that everything's uh, perfect and there will be absolutely no roadblocks as they currently do it just hardens the opposition, unfortunately. Okay, we're out of time there, David. That's a great conversation as always. And we all look forward to you being tabbed by Prime Minister Polyev to steer the country's <laughs> electrification revolution. Uh, thank you for joining David and myself on the Motor Mouth podcast as always. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. Be sure to look for David's weekly Motor Mouth column on driving.ca every Friday. In addition to his senior writing duties for Post Media Driving, which includes the National Post and driving.ca, David hosts a panel series called Driving into the Future, which brings automotive and technology leaders to the table to discuss emerging topics in the mobility sector. The next episode, hosted by David, goes live on December 13th, where the topic is the resurrection of hydrogen. Then on Wednesday, January 17th, again with David, the subject is how secure is the data in our cars? For dose of all things automotive, be sure to check out driving.ca, where you'll find the best in breaking news, videos, and reviews. And be sure to subscribe to the Motormouth podcast and Post Media's other three auto-related podcasts, plugged in pertaining to all things electric vehicles and hosted by yours truly, and The Driving Podcast, hosted by Lorraine Sommerfeld, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. 
The next Motormouth podcast is scheduled for January 10th. So happy holidays from us to you and yours. And we'll be back from the break, refreshed and ready to take on 2024. Happy holidays to you all. Oh,